Open your Bible with me to the Gospel of Mark, and while you're going there, John, if you could put up on the screen Proverbs 18, verse 21. In the Gospel of Mark, we have a statement that Jesus made to His disciples, some, a teaching that He gave His disciples, a declaration He gave to His disciples, a statement of fact, and then, of course, you and I either take it by faith or we disregard it as not for us. And so I urge you, take a hold of it by faith and not only in theory, but in practical application. And so let's read Mark 11. We've been talking about and growing in for a number of weeks about the tongue, the fountain of life. And in Mark 11... 22, Jesus said to them, have faith in God. I assure you, if anyone says to this mountain, not thinks, not texts, not sends prayers and thoughts, come on, just a a bunny trail, but on, on social media, texting, sending prayers and thoughts doesn't do anything. You actually have to pray. Okay, so if you say you're praying, you better not be a liar. So if anyone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, he will have whatever he says. So you see there that the word says is there three times, the word believe is there one time, and if you look in the literal language of it, that's how it's written. Some of the newer translations don't word it that way. But three different times he mentions what you say, one time he mentions what you believe. So obviously the believing is important, but Jesus was bold and he told his disciples a statement that you could say something and it would come to pass. And we know that he had scripture to back up what he was teaching them. He went on and he said, Therefore I tell you, all the things you require in prayer, believe that you have received them and you will have them. That's the faith part of it. So what are you requiring of the Lord? I didn't say ask, I didn't say request, because the word is require. What are you requiring of the Lord? You know, it's time that we start requiring things. None of this measly asking stuff. Lord, I need this. I need revival in this land. Father, I need your signs and wonders at the preaching of the gospel today. And it's time that we require the things that have been delegated to us. And he delegated authority to us. And so, you don't ask for it after it's been given to you already. You act on it, okay? And so, the difference between, I didn't plan this, let's do it anyway. John chapter 14. Let's go over to John chapter 14. Just keep your place up there, John, on the screen. Verse 13, Jesus says, actually let's start in 12 because that helps amplify 13. 
Jesus says, I assure you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And will, he's talking about the miracles. And he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Whatever you require, now I know that all the translations say ask, but look it up in, in the Greek and you'll say, see that it's the word require. Whatever you require in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you require anything in my name, I will do it. Now, if you go to John chapter 15 and you look in verse 7, Jesus says these words. He's not a liar. He says the truth. If you remain in me, stay in me, and my words stay, remain, abide, live in you, require whatever you want and it will be done for you. Require it. Let's go over to John chapter 16 and look in verse 23. In that day you will not pray. This is the word pray. Ask. Okay, not require. Pray or ask. You will not ask me anything. I assure you, anything you, here's the word require, the Father in my name, He will give you. Until now, you have required for nothing in my name. Require and you will receive that your joy may be complete. It's time we start asking in boldness. It's time that we, we require it. Not asking hopefully, but let me say it a way that might help you, might make more sense to you. Ask it with a confident expectation that it's done. Require it, expecting it to happen. Rather than asking, hoping and wishing it would happen. Now, why, why am I so bold on this is how it's supposed to look? Go over to John chapter 4. I'll give you an example of Jesus requiring something. Same word in the Greek. And you'll see what a require looks like. It doesn't look like an, an, a, an ask that wishes it would receive. Or thinks maybe it would be received. See, if I say, if I say um, you know, Josh, w- would you please go get me a drink? Now, he's not my waiter. He's sitting here listening. And I say, Josh, would you please go get me a drink? I am asking him with the hope that he will do what I'm asking. But if I'm at a restaurant and Josh is my waiter, I'm not going to ask him hoping he brings something. I'm going to require it with the expectation he's going to bring it. He's going to come by and I'm going to be like, hey, when you have a minute, I would like a glass of water. And he's going to, and I'm going to expect to receive my glass of water. I just required it of him. So, Let's look here in in chapter 4. So Jesus and the disciples, they are walking and and they go by Jacob's well in Samaria. And they're tired. Verse 6, Jacob's well was there. Jesus was worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about 6 in the evening. And a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her. This is him requiring 
something. He's not asking, he's telling. You could say, oh, well, he's being, well, you can require something politely. You don't have to be disrespectful just because you're telling or requiring something. Jesus says, give me a drink. Verse 8, for, her, for his disciples had gone into town to buy food. Verse 9, how is it that you, a Jew, here's the word ask, but it's the word require. How is it that you, a Jew, require for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She asked him, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So if you want to know, what is she referring to require? What did Jesus require? You can go back and see, well, what was it he required? He, he asked for a drink. Well, ask, he told her, give me a drink. That's what a require looks like. Verse 10, I love Jesus' response. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God, and who is saying to you, give me a drink? Who is requiring a drink from you? You would require him, and he would give you living water. If you knew who's talking to you, you would be requiring. And so, this is what a require looks like. Alright? It's, it's a, not a hopeful, wishful ask. Alright, that was all for free. And a bonus material to our message today. Alright, put Proverbs eighteen twenty one up on the screen for us. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. What's the fruit that your tongue is creating? What are you eating? Do you like what you're eating? If you don't like what you're eating, well, then spit out different fruit. If you like what you're eating, then keep spitting out the fruit that you've been spitting out. Saying. I want to read it to you in some other translations. The TLV version says, death and life are in the control of the tongue. Those who indulge in it will eat its fruit. The easy to read version, the tongue can speak words that bring life or death. Those who love to talk must be ready to accept what it brings. The Good News Bible, what you say can preserve life. Or destroy it. Think about that for a little bit. What you say can preserve, preserve life or destroy it. So you must accept the consequences of your words. The ISV, the power of the tongue is life and death. See, the tongue has a power. And the power of the tongue is life and death. Those who love to talk will eat what it produces. So what, are, what are, is your tongue producing for you? We also looked, and just to review here, we looked at Matthew 12, 36 and 37, where Jesus made this statement. We had looked and we, we'd answered the question, are, are our words important? We determined, yes, we saw from Scripture, God is listening to our words. We saw that the power of life and death is in our tongue. And we saw that we are going to be judged and justified by our words, that our words are, are what is going to determine our outcome, both for salvation and for the quality of your life. Life and death. 
Jesus made the statement, he said, I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. This is the NIV. Every idle word, every empty word that you have spoken. Sometimes we think those empty words are just meaningless and don't matter. You're going to have to answer for them. You're going to have to answer why they didn't matter. And then he goes on and makes this statement. By your words you, you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. So all of our words, our life confession, our death confession, our empty confession, all of it, we're going to have to answer for it. None of it's left out. None of it is, doesn't matter. This is sobering, isn't it? To know that nothing we say is inconsequential. So we looked at the three types of, of words, idle words, death words, life words, and idle words, you know, they're just empty, they're faithless, they're void of anything. <clears throat> One of the ways to tell a fool is to listen for empty words. That's what Scripture tells us. Or like the one gentleman said, he said, you know, it's better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. <laughs> Proverbs 14.23, there's profit in all hard work, but endless talk leads only to poverty. Empty words, endless talk. And then there was death and life confessions. That's faith-filled words, one direction or the other. Words that are bringing you life. And words that are bringing you death, they're not empty. They have something in them. Proverbs 6.2 says, you are trapped by the words of your lips. Ensnared by the words of your mouth. Ecclesiastes 10.12 says, the lips of the fool consume him. The lips of the fool consume him. So, what are you speaking death in your life? Maybe you don't realize it even. Maybe you think it's empty. How about, man, these shoes are killing me. How about that kind of talk? Is that a death confession or is that an empty confession? <laughs> an empty death confession. Yeah, because most people are going to say, well, no, they don't believe it. Oh, so it's, it's empty and useless and pointless, but you've framed it to hold death. But then there's the other side, the life side. You know, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. The, the, the words of the wicked are a deadly ambush, but the speech of the upright rescues them. So your words can sit and ambush you or your words can sit and rescue you. And there's many more scriptures like that that we could continue to look at. Let's go over to Psalms chapter 12. And I want to look at something quickly. Because our time is rapidly moving on. Psalms chapter 12 and verse 1. I have to read uh, Proverbs as you go there. Proverbs 13 says, From the words of his mouth a man will enjoy good things. From the words of his mouth a man will enjoy good things. The one who guards his mouth protects his life. The one who opens his lips invites his own ruin. The tongue that heals is a tree of life. 
but a devious tongue breaks the spirit. And then Proverbs 16, 24, pleasant words are a honeycomb sweet to the taste and health to the body. Listen, there's health in your mouth. Or creaky, achy joints. Your call. I don't know, man. I'm getting older and older. It's getting harder and harder to get out of bed. Well, if you say so. If you say so. I'm 39 years old. I was reading about how that Moses, it said he was almost 40, so I guess that means he was 39. I mean, you know, do the math. He was almost 40, and uh, he had all these things going on in his life, and he just recognized that I, I need to deliver these people. But then what happened? He did it in the arm of the flesh, tried to, and the whole thing failed. And then at 80 is when it all really began for him out there at the burning bush. And when all the amazing things happened in his life at 80. Most people are going, man, it's time to wind this chariot up and put it in a garage. <laughs> Not Moses. He's getting the horses out for a run at 80 years old. And then I thought of Caleb. Caleb was 40. You know, you're older than me. And he was ready to take on the giants. And then for 40 years, they took a walk in the wilderness because they couldn't go in because they didn't do what the Lord said. And then those 40 years later, he's 80 years old, and he goes, come on, the place those giants were, give that place to me because I'm just as strong as I was at 40. I haven't got any weaker. My eyes are just as good. I'm like, you go, Caleb. Right? At 80 years old, to look like I do, wow. I figured a secret out the other day, you know, at the gym. Someone wanted to know how old I was, and I told Jen, I'm going to start telling people I'm, I'm like 68. Because they'll just think I'm in such great shape, you know. I'll be 68 someday, Hallelujah. All right, Psalms 12, verse 1, help, Lord, for no faithful one remains, the loyal have disappeared from the human race. David's feeling a little down and out here, isn't he? They lie to one another, they speak with flattering lips and deceptive hearts. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips. You want to be without lips? Then flatter. Deceptive lying. Well, that doesn't make sense, does it? Deceptive lying? That's like a double negative, right? <laughs> okay, I don't know. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks boastfully. They say, this was what they were saying, through our tongues we have power, or we will prevail. So they're using the power of their tongue. They say, through our tongues we have power, our lips, they are our own. Who can be our master? Who is Lord over us? 
So here's a people that recognize the power of their tongue, but it's not a submitted tongue to the Lord. They're saying we're going to use it for our own purpose. We are our master. We recognize there's power in it, and we're the one who's Lord of it. This is, this is Sodom and Gomorrah kind of situation when that happens. You get destroyed. An unsubmitted tongue. You know, in James 1.26, it says, If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, then his religion is useless and he deceives himself. It's very important that there be a bridle, bridled by the Spirit on your tongue. Bridled by the Spirit on your tongue. That you recognize that your spirit is what is going to lead your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, where your speech is going to come from. I mean, it comes from the flesh, but it's coming, you know, your, your mind. What you're thinking is what you're going to say. That your spirit rise up and lead your soul into the realm of righteousness. And that you have a submitted tongue, a tongue that speaks what the Lord would have you speak. Jesus only spoke, it says, what He heard the Father say. I don't think He had a lot of empty words going on, do you? No, I would say none. That if He said something, it meant something. A submitted tongue is one that speaks the Word, speaks what the Lord's will is into every situation. A submitted tongue does not complain. A submitted tongue is one that speaks, is, is a tongue of faith, even in the midst of where it looks impossible, where it looks like we're not winning, where it looks like things aren't working out, even where it looks like it's not working. Go with me over to Deuteronomy. And chapter 1, this is the story Moses is recounting to the children of Israel their history. And he's telling them, here's what happened. And he reminds them how the Lord told us to go into the land to possess it. And you guys didn't want to go right away. You, you wanted to send spies into the land to first check it out and get the lay of the land. So we sent these guys in and they came back and brought an evil report. Not Joshua and Caleb didn't. They said, we're well able to do it. But everyone else were like, nope. It's the, you know, we were like grasshoppers in the sights of these giants. Well, they weren't all they were bragged up to be. I mean, an 80-year-old man whooped them. Forty years later, Caleb did. So, this is the, the history. And he's telling them, here's all the things that happened. And... and uh, the Lord told you to go up in verse 26 of chapter 1 in Deuteronomy, but you were not willing to go, rebelling against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents. This is not a submitted tongue. A sign of an unsubmitted tongue is a grumbling tongue. That's a symptom of it. And when you catch yourself grumbling, just stop. That's how you repent. You change direction. And thank the Lord for something in that situation. Thank you for the authority you've given to me to speak to the situation. And so their tongue was not submitted. And um, they were like accused of the Lord. Oh, you're, gonna, you're trying to kill us out here in the desert. So then the Lord says, fine. 
I heard what you said. We're going to do it just like you said. You're going to die in the wilderness. And you're not going to go into the land. And um, boy, they didn't like that. So verse 41, they jump up and say, uh, we have sinned against the Lord. We will go up and fight just as the Lord our God commanded us. Then each of you put on his weapons of war and thought it would be easy to go up into the hill country. Now had the Lord told them to go? Yes. Had they refused? Yes. Had the Lord now given them new direction? Yes. But now they're going, oh no, no, we'll do what you said now, Lord. Not submitting to the last thing He told them to do. Now that you took it away from us, okay, now we're willing to go. An unsubmitted tongue. So this, an unsubmitted heart. Because that's what an unsubmitted tongue is revealing. Okay? It's just the tail on the dog that's wagging or not. It's the symptom. You see it. And it creates for you. And um, in verse 42, But the Lord said to me, Tell them, don't go up and fight, for I'm not with you to keep you from being defeated by your enemies. So I spoke to you, but you didn't listen. You rebelled against the Lord's command and defiantly went up into the hill country. Then the Amorites who lived there came out against you and chased you like a swarm of bees. They routed you from Seir as far as Homa. When you returned, you wept before the Lord, but He didn't listen to your requests or pay attention to you. Like Esau, they wept at the loss of the blessing, not for their sin. See, that's what, why Esau wept. He wept at what he lost. He did not weep at what he had done. And that's the difference between a repentant person and a person that's not repentant. A person that's feeling sorry for themselves. Because when you get yourself into a mess and you sin, and, and it's easy to feel sorry for yourself. But that's not repentance at all, is it? Repentance is a change of direction. It's doing something different. And sure, there's times that repentance is also going to um, have tears with it. Uh, remorse for that I've let the Lord down or I've let you know, people down. Let's go to, and we're going to close here, I believe. Maybe. Second Corinthians, uh, not Corinthians, Kings. Second Kings in chapter 20. We're talking about a submitted tongue. The first step of being a doer of the Word is being a declarer, a speaker of the Word, being submitted to the Word. Then you'll speak it and then you'll do it. You know, there's a reason that Psalms 107 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You need to say so. What am I redeemed from? And you go through the list and you say so. You remind that thing, that sickness, that debt, that whatever it is that is part of the curse of the law, you remind it, I'm redeemed from you. And you don't have any ground or authority here. You don't belong here. Now get out and stay out. That's what you do. I'm redeemed. Here, Hezekiah is <coughs> a prophet. I mean, not a prophet. He's a king. Isaiah is a prophet. And... Isaiah, as a prophet, is a seer. What that means is he, he sees something, he hears something, and he declares he is a voice for the Lord in the land and, and to the king. And so in verse 1 it says, In those days Hezekiah became terminally ill. The prophet of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, came 
and said to him, This is what the Lord says. Put your affairs in order, for you are about to die. You will not recover. Here's a thus saith the Lord. You've been praying. You've been wanting to get healed. Thus saith the Lord. Yea, yea. The Lord says you're going to die. You're not going to recover. Pretty bold to go tell a king that. Putting his life on the line. I mean, the king could have been like, how dare you? It's in our covenant. Healing. It is. It was in their covenant. Healing. There were certain things they were supposed to follow to receive it. But, but Isaiah obeyed the Lord and uh, Hezekiah wept bitterly. No, let's keep reading. Um, Verse 2, then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, Please, Lord, remember how I have walked before you faithfully and wholeheartedly and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Isaiah had not yet gone out of the inner courtyard when the word of the Lord came to him. So he's still at the king's palace. He's still in the inner court. Hadn't even made it out of the, 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 he's in the, left the building, but in the courtyard, in the yard. And the word of the Lord comes to him and says, Go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord God of your ancestor David says. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Look, I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the Lord's temple. I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you from you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Isaiah, I don't know what he thought, it doesn't tell us. He may well have thought, oh, thanks Lord, Wait, it may make me look like a false prophet. I just gave him a thus saith the Lord and, and you said you're God and that you don't change and here you go. You already gave me the instruction Lord. You already told me to, that can't be the Lord, let's just keep walking. Maybe I'll make it out of the gate and get home to my sandwich. If he would have been unsubmitted to the Lord, that may have been what he done, would have done. Because not only did he just put, take his life in his hands and say, King, you're going to die. He is now going to go back and say, King, you're going to live. Well, this is a real easy one to test. So which is it? You said the Lord said this. Now you're saying the Lord says this. So which is it? And if the king goes ahead and dies, well, guess what? In the Old Testament, you were supposed to stone prophets that were false. But because Isaiah is not his own, but he belongs to the Lord. And he recognizes, Lord, I'm yours. And I'll do whatever you tell me. And see, the Lord doesn't change. The Lord didn't change. Isaiah did some, I mean, uh, Hezekiah did some changing. And the Lord heeded what he asked. So he says, yeah, mercy. So he says, go back and tell him this. And Isaiah, because he's submitted to the Lord, he goes back. And he tells him, told him those things. Then Isaiah said, bring a lump of pressed figs. So they brought it and applied it to his infected skin. And he recovered. Hezekiah had asked Isaiah, what is the sign the Lord will heal me that I will go up to the Lord's temple on the third day? Isaiah said, Man, the pressure's getting strong now because now we're going to have a universe, not universe, planet-defying sign. 
The sun doesn't go back. The earth doesn't stop turning. Yeah, that's what took place. This is going to be the sign from the Lord for you. He's going to do what He's promised. So, so He asks, your choice. Should the shadow go ahead ten steps or back ten steps? Then Hezekiah answered, it is easy for the shadow to lengthen ten steps. Right? It's easy for the sun to go down. So no, let the shadow go back ten steps. So Isaiah the prophet called out to the Lord. He brought the shadow back ten steps. It had descended on Ahaz's stairway. Isaiah truly a submitted man to the Lord. Willing to look like a false prophet. Willing to risk being stoned. Because he is declaring two polar opposites by the word of the Lord. Within ten minutes of each other. And so he is submitted to the Lord. And he says, Lord, whatever you're telling me. I am yours. I'm not my own. Right? And so this is how you and I need to operate and and to live is a submitted tongue. A tongue that is not our own, but is His. We say what the Lord says. We, we declare what the Lord has supplied and authorized. Submitted to Him. They told Peter, don't preach anymore. They told the disciples, don't preach anymore. This is His authorities. Their authorities in the land don't preach anymore. You can't say that. You can't say that here. You're not allowed to say that at this workplace. You can't preach in the name of Jesus at this workplace. And um, Peter said, well... Is it right for us to obey you rather than God? Is it right that we obey our institution we're working in instead of God? No. No. Are you submitted? Go tell all nations, tribes, tongues, peoples, all people groups. There's a people group at your workplace. Come on, don't hold back. If you lose your job, lose it. You'll be counted worthy to suffer with Christ. You say, well, yeah, pastor, that's easy for you to say. It's not about what I say. It's about what he said. Are you submitted to him or not? Before I forget, I want to correct something I said last week. Um, Jen brought it to my attention. She said, you said that Abraham, um, it was 10 years. I heard you say it was 10 years from the time that Abraham received the promise until it happened. I said, yeah, it was 10 years. She goes, it was 25, wasn't it? I said, no, it's always been 10 years. So I go, and, and she's like, eh, I think it's 25. I've heard you preach that. Nah, you didn't hear me preach that. It's just 10 years. So I go get my Bible and look, and there's 10 years there, but there's also 24 and 5 there too, right? So I wanted to correct that. Um, it, it was tw like 20, 
24 years, 25 years from when he gave him the word to leave his land. But from the first time he said, you're going to have an offspring, that was 24 years before the little one came. That's a long time. And then it was like 14 years, um, I believe, 14 years when he changed his name. Started calling him Father of Many Nations. So what are you saying? No matter if times pass and click, click beyond where you are now. Father, I just thank you that you've given us words to speak and that you have given us your spirit to quicken us on the inside of the words we should speak. You didn't leave us here on our own to figure it out, but you gave us a guide. And Lord, we want to listen on the inside. You direct our conversation. You direct our declaration. You direct our our passing comments. Father, that your word would be ever on our tongue. We submit. Why don't we say this together? I submit my tongue to you, Lord. To your word. For your glory. And amen. Well, one way we love God is by loving one another and and doing a tap dance on new floors in our fellowship hall. Join us down there. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. morning. Praise the Lord. It is a good, good morning. Because we serve a good, good God. Amen. 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 We are truly the most blessed people on the face of the earth. We have so many reasons to be thankful and to know how blessed we are. You know, Psalms 103. If you if you in the course of your day have a a moment of discouragement or depression or anything like that the bible says in isaiah to put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness there's your antidote there's your flu shot whatever you need that is it and psalms 103 is one we should all memorize it's so good bless the lord O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name bless the lord oh my soul bless the lord see you gotta do it bless the lord and forget not all his benefits he's forgiven me of all my iniquity i'm forgiven delivered redeemed heals me of all my disease redeem me from the destruction of hell glory to god Crown me with loving kindness and tender mercy. The Lord's mercy is over you all the days of your life, every moment of the every day. Satisfies my mouth with what? Good things. Glory to God. See, the Bible says, choose life. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Choose life. So he fills my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. The best anti-aging scripture in the Bible. Glory to God. So Isaiah 
12 says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Let's all stand up together before the word of the Lord. Therefore, with joy shall we draw water out of the wells of salvation. Where are those wells of salvation? Right in your belly. We're to draw them out, out of our mouth. Speak forth the life of God. Praise the Lord. Call upon his name. Declare his doing among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, for he has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitants of the Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel. And he is in the midst of thee. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's just take this moment and have a re-consecration, a re-dedication of your life and all that is yours to the Lord. Just, just repeat after me. We're just going to pray a prayer to the Lord. Father, I submit to you. I submit my flesh to you. I submit my spirit to you. I submit my soul to you. All that I am responsible for. I submit to you. Be my Lord. Be my master. I and all that is mine is set apart for your service. See, sanctification means set apart. And if you're set apart for the Lord, that means what we just prayed is all of your flesh, all of your mind, your will, your emotions, your soul, your spirit. And you yield to the Lord, to His way, to His will. Father, I ask that Your will be done here today in each one of our lives. Lord, I ask that You would just touch with illumination and revelation. Lord, that You would bring forth an expansion of our heart. Bring forth an expansion of our vision. Give us Your eyes this day, Lord. Give us Your ears to hear. Open up our ear to hear in a new way. Father, reveal to us the thing maybe that we've um, grown warm to or grown cold to or the thing we've forgotten, the truth that set us free before. Father, I just ask that you work it and, and, and work it in us again. Bring it up within us again. Lord, we know that faith comes from your word. So Lord, I ask that you bring to remembrance, our remembrance, the word that has been sown into our spirits from long ago until today. Father, I ask you for a greater boldness and a greater awareness of the authority that you've delegated to us. And Father, we purpose to walk in this delegated authority in a way that glorifies you. In a way that lifts Jesus up for all the earth to see. In a way that brings heaven to earth. That your will would be done here. That your kingdom come here to this nation 
to this state, to this county, to this city. We declare Jesus Lord of Church of the Word International. We declare Jesus Lord of Lancaster County. We declare Jesus Lord of, of Pennsylvania. We declare Jesus Lord of the United States of America. We declare Jesus Lord of this planet Earth. And Father, your will be done. I ask you, Lord, that you stretch forth your hand to perform signs and wonders and miracles at the preaching of your word, at the declaring that Jesus is the Son of God. Father, I call for your healing power to, to go around the earth where the believers are, that you embolden and strengthen them, that those that are, are sick this morning across the planet, Father, that you send believers to them to declare them healed, to set them free from the bondage of sickness. Lord, I ask you to absolutely awaken your, your children, your church, to the awareness that this coronavirus is straight from the pit of hell and the authority that you've given to us. And I call a stop to this virus in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for the angels that you have dispatched on our behalf and on the behalf of your children around the world. I thank you, Lord, that the authority that you have placed in our mouth. And we just declare this day that Psalms 91 is true for this house. Psalms 91 is true for this nation. Father, you said everywhere that we walk, and we've walked all over this nation, Father, that it belongs to us. And I declare this nation, this nation is holy ground, and it is set aside for your purpose to accomplish your kingdom purposes. That we have been set aside to finance your purposes in the earth today. And we're not going to have it any other way, Father. This is how it's going to be. And I thank you for the authority you've given us. We established this morning that from this day going forward, you work in and through us in ways that we haven't seen before. You told us to declare the works of your hands. You told us to, to tell you how it's going to be. And so I'm telling you, Father, I'm telling you that your glory is going to spread through this nation. That your glory is awakening in the church in this nation. That your glory is awakening in the church in the earth. That your revival is coming and it is breaking forth in the earth in this day, in this hour, and that many and millions, no billions, are coming into the kingdom, Lord, because your word is loosed in the earth, that your children are empowered and emboldened in the earth. And I thank you for it. I thank you for it. I thank you for it, Lord. I rejoice, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. Glory to your name, Lord.
God wanted to make known to those among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, his desire to do this among the Gentiles hasn't changed at all. It hasn't debated. It hasn't weakened. It's as strong as it ever was. If anything, it's stronger than it was. Because the time is closer and the seasons are, are becoming shorter and things are being sped up. And there's more people in the earth today than there ever was, so his desire has to increase. And it's his desire that the the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of the good news, that the Spirit of Christ in you, the confident expectation of glory, the confident expectation that He's going to do it in you again, that He's going to do it through you again, that the early church in Acts is not something we read about, it's something that's still happening today. The early and the latter reign. And we're certainly in the latter. I was reading this week and the first half of Acts and how that the Lord took the word to the Gentiles and how, how Peter, because he went and fasted and prayed and sought the Lord, because he set time aside to seek the Lord, that the Lord said, Go. Go to the Gentiles. These guys are coming to you. Gave them a word of knowledge. And I can only imagine when Peter walked into a place that he's not supposed to be in according to the natural. According to Jewish law, he wasn't supposed to go into a Gentile's house. And so him and a number of other brothers, they went. The Lord had said, go with them. Don't doubt anything. Go with these people that are showing up. You see, the guy, uh, I said Peter had been fasting. He wasn't fasting. It was Cornelius who was fasting and praying, had done alms to the Lord. And because of that, the Lord chose him to be the jumping off point for the Gentiles. Because someone prayed and fasted, because somebody was giving to the poor, the Lord said, let's start with him. And so he sends, he sends people, go ask for Peter, because that's what the Lord told him to do. Peter, outspoken Peter, bold Peter. The Lord tells him go, so he shows up at Cornelius' house. Cornelius is a man of faith. He prepared. He prayed for rain and he went and bought umbrellas. I mean, that's a figure of speech, right? The Lord said, He's going to tell you how to be saved. So he called all his family, all his friends together, packed his house out in anticipation before Peter ever showed up in faith that the Lord was going to do what he said to do. Come on, family, it's time that we begin to pack the house out, whether it be this house or your house or wherever. It's time we begin to act in faith according to what the Lord said he would do in that latter rain. And man, can you imagine Peter walking into this place and saying, why do you call for me? And they said, well, the Lord said. And he'd already had all the visions, the confirmations, thus saith the Lord's. I can just imagine how the atmosphere, the anointing in the room just went, whoo! And he begins to preach, and it wasn't a long message because it said he had just began. And man, the Holy Spirit came in. They believed. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. He heard them speaking in tongues and glorifying the Lord. 
And the rest is history as far as the Gentiles are coming into the body of Christ more and more and more. The mystery of the Gospel. It is a mystery. How in the world can, can a good God come reside in someone like us? Well, we know how because of the price has been paid, but it's still a mystery. But expect and hope. Don't, don't just wishful thinking. Expect it. Prepare for it. Prepare your field for it. Prepare your bank account for it. Come on, we're in a prosperous time. It's time for you to be, be preparing Financially, preparing physically, preparing spiritually and mentally, and begin asking for the thing that's impossible. I mean, I was reading about Philip. Lord said, Go out to this desert. What do you want me out there for, Lord? There's no one out there. Shouldn't I be going to the city? Sends them to somewhere where there is nobody. Why? Because there was a person of influence there, the man of peace was there. And that's all great, but you know what my favorite part of that story is? He gets baptized, he becomes a believer, and Philip is gone. Poof. (laughs) Says he found himself in a different region. And you know, he went to that region for purpose as well. How many of you are believing, Lord, translate me. Yeah, we have jets and planes and trains and automobiles and Skype and all these things, but Lord, do it again. Yes. Do it again. I was at the Ar- Ar- Armada Landmark um, alumni dinner this week, and Apostle Dale, he encouraged everyone to do like David did and, and, and worship the Lord for what He's already done in your life in the past. You know, David worships the Lord for what setting the Israelites free from Egypt which had been hundreds of years before David's time and yet he he found he found pleasure in what the Lord had done and worshiped him for it and so as I was reading this uh, just yesterday in fact I was reading about Peter and how that he the Lord had moved miraculously to bring the 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 truth to the Gentiles and I just couldn't help but worship the Lord thank the Lord for doing that with Peter. Thank the Lord for doing that with Cornelius. You know, it affected us. It's the difference, all the difference for you and I. It made the difference. Plus, we get to eat bacon. (laughs) All right, you may be seated. I want to share something else with you before we send the children or the ministry workers out. I'd like to uh, share something with you. Our ushers are going to pass out a uh, card to you. So um, all the adults, or if you're like a a teenager or a young adult, uh, please take one. Um, Make sure that you can look at it, read it, inspect it, see what it is. We're going to have these on the table in the back lobby. And um, these are something that the Lord had put into my heart um, about two years ago now. And I had gone away and locked myself up in a hotel for several days and was praying and fasting and seeking the Lord for direction. And I felt like the Lord um, showed me something that I needed to do. And um, it started with Him reminding me of 
how did Jesus and the disciples, how did the disciples learn from Jesus? And while Jesus certainly taught them and, and they sat down and read the word, a lot of what the disciples learned from Jesus was because of their everyday life that they were in. Things that, things that um, took place in their life, right? Everyday circumstances that they came across. And so questions would arise. And, and so He would challenge the culture and He would uh, challenge their mindsets with truth. And so um, what, what happened is everyday life became the teaching, the point of being taught at. Often when we nowadays read our Bible, we like to, uh, we, whether we do it intentionally or not, we kind of quarantine things into this spiritual um, realm of out there somewhere. And sometimes we don't bring it and make it just in our everyday life, the things that we're facing. And, and I believe that there are Bible answers for you and I for the things that we face in everyday life. Well, what about this? What does the Word say about this? I need wisdom on X, Y, Z. Whatever you're facing in your life, I need wisdom. Should I take this new job? Or I need wisdom from the Lord on whatever it is that's going on in your life. Not just these hyper-spiritual things, right? And so, on this thing, you'll see what it says. It says, biblical answers to your everyday life questions. I'm just going to read it to you. So, for the benefit of everyone, we invite you to ask a question or give a praise report. So, in those lines below... What you can do is if you have a question, you can write it down there. Or if you have a testimony or praise report that you would like to give, you can write it down. And then uh, there's a place for the date. And then you'll see a couple boxes to check. Um, you can say, you know, my name can be shared publicly. Or you can say, keep my name anonymous. Now the purpose of this is not for me to privately answer your question. Maybe, maybe we will have a discussion privately. Um, but the purpose of this is that your question can be a point for everyone to learn and grow in wisdom. It can be a teaching point. And much of, um, we see many of the great truths that we have in Scripture happened because a question arose in the moment. And so Jesus spoke to it. And so what I would like to do is open up the opportunity for you to, the things that you're facing in life. Now listen, very carefully, this is not a comment, suggestion, or a complaint card. You do that, I throw it away. I don't even look at it. Okay? That's not what this is. This is not the platform for it. What this is, is something, a question, something that you would like to have the wisdom of God on through the body, because I'm not going to be the only one answering your questions. We're going to open it up to you. Well, what does the Word say about that? Does anyone have wisdom on this? What does the Word say? And we're going to allow the Spirit of God to speak to these issues. Uh, just because you put it in does not mean that we're going to use it, alright? If all of you put one in every day, obviously we wouldn't have time for it. So what this is, is we're going to go through and I'm going to choose the ones that I believe um, the Lord would have us discuss that particular Sunday morning and, uh, and then we'll, we'll talk about them. So the way, what you can do is put them in the uh, offering basket. And do write your name on it, whether you want to be anonymous or not, because I want to know um, who's asking the question. An anonymous question, I don't have time for. Alright? So if you have a question, we can keep your name anonymously so that no one knows who said it. 
if that's your desire, but I want to know who said it so that we can have a private conversation if we need to. Everyone understand? So that's what that is. I believe that the Lord is going to um, do some things for us by using this. So I encourage you to uh, go ahead. If you have a question, you think, well, um, I can just have a private conversation about it. That's true. However, let's not rob everyone else from the experience of growing in it together. Maybe you have a question, well, should I get into debt right now? Is it okay to borrow? You know, maybe it's a question like that, or maybe you have a question about um, child raising, or, or on and on and on. You know, you know the questions that you face every day. And so that's what this is designed to do. And so as the Lord uh, leads us, we will um, talk about those and encourage each other in it. All right, we're going to go ahead and send the children's church and um, the ministry workers to their various stations. And while they're going, I'm going to give you the opportunity to uh, just turn to your neighbors, say hello, welcome someone, make sure that uh, they know you're glad they're here. Good morning, everyone. Are you happy to be alive this morning? How many know it's a good day? Amen? Amen. All right. Somebody's excited. We've got excitement in the house. <laughs> you know you're a blessed people, right? Because yeah. no matter what you're facing, no matter um, maybe you're facing a hardship or a trial or you feel press- pressured right now, you're loved and you're not forsaken and a price has been paid for you. And no matter what the issue, there is restoration's available. Redemption is available. So it's a good day. Amen. All right. Well, do we have any first-time guests with us here this morning? If you're here for the first time, we'd like to welcome you. If you're family, we'd like to welcome you. Amen. Does anybody need um, a cash envelope for your giving? If you do, raise your hand. The ushers will see that you get it. And we're going to turn to Chronicles. Maybe you remember we were reading from um, 1 Chronicles chapter 29 last week. Talking about giving with a free heart, a willing heart, wholeheartedly. And we had read how um, David led by example. He was a man of honor. He led by example. And the people gave and followed his example. They gave uh, freely willingly with the whole heart and it named off all the things that they gave here in verse 7 a lot and then verse 8 says and whoever had precious stones so probably not everybody had precious stones probably not everybody had as much gold maybe some didn't even have any gold if you read the prior verse in verse 7 names off the totals that they gave but you know not everybody had the same amount so as they had As the Lord had enabled them, they gave to the treasury of the house of the Lord in the care of Jahil, not sure how to say that, the Gershonite. Verse 9, this is what I want to get to. And then the people rejoiced. They rejoiced. Because why? They had given willingly. For with a whole heart, they had offered freely to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. And you know, I'd like to think God looked down on this day and he smiled and he loved it. And you know why we can say that? 
2 Corinthians 9, chapter, or chapter 9, verse 7. We, we can say that because it says there that each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not under compulsion, because what? God loves a cheerful giver. Why do, why do you think that's like that? Why do you think God loves a cheerful giver? He wants you to choose him. He wants you to choose surrender. He wants you to choose to love him. And without a choice, is it really love? Without a choice, is it really surrender? See, he wants you to choose to yield to him. He's not going to force you to yield to him. He's not going to force you to love him. He's not going to force you to put him first. He wants you to choose it, and that pleases him. But see, one of the biggest ways this is revealed is in our finances. One of the biggest ways we reveal our heart towards God because our attitude towards money, the way we handle our finances, the decisions we make, the way we go about making financial decisions, it reveals whether God's our master or whether money's our master. Whether we trust in God or whether we're trusting our job source or money or whatever, it just it reveals these things. But when we give in faith, when we give free, freely, wholeheartedly, and our trust is in God, there's joy. Just, it's just an indicator that, you know what, I am pure-hearted. I, I am giving in a free heart when there's joy. And if there's a lack of joy, that's also an indication. So let's, let's be in joy. Let's give our offerings wholeheartedly. Make Lord our master in, in everything. All right, let's take a hold of the tithe and our offering and let's pray. Father, we are so grateful to you that we are not alone, and we just recognize you as master, Lord of our lives, the provider, and we recognize you as the one we totally rely on. We just thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the promises in your word, and we present the tithe to you. We present our offerings to you, and we ask you to bless the gift and the giver in Jesus' name, and amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets. All right, if you have a bulletin, we'll go over a couple of things. We are having our missions offering next, so Pastor Sidney will take care of that. Um, it is too late to attend the Ghana fundraiser, which was last night. However, it's not too late to help. It's not too late to serve. It's not too late to give. So for those of you that weren't aware, there is a missions trip taking place um, Mission trip to Ghana taking place July 28th to August 9th, and people are needed that are needed to serve, to give. If you feel you have it in your heart to be a part of that in some way, you can see Troy, or you can give in the offering and memo it um, Ghana Initiative or something like that. It says here there's an information meeting on March 8th at two. We do have several people from the church that have committed to going, so. Just putting that out there, if you have it in your heart to support that in any ways, um, we will see that it gets to where you want it to go. Also, how many of you noticed the beautiful flooring downstairs? Can we give a hand to John and Jean and Josh? It looks great. We are so blessed. What a beautiful downstairs we have. That floor is great. Pastor, do you want to come talk about the free Burma Ranger movie? I'll let you... Share on that. Thank you. Oh, 
Yes, thank you guys for, uh, and, and girl, I believe Kat had a hand in helping yesterday too, and Shane, and downstairs is, uh, wow, if you haven't been down there, go down after the service and uh, you'll eat twice as many cookies as before, it looks so nice. Some of you remember um, who the free Burma Rangers are. They, uh, we had Sky and Noel Barkley in uh, a couple years ago now. And so there is a movie hitting the theater this, this week. And I think it's maybe Monday and Tuesday going to be in the theater. You, uh, in a few theaters, not many. So it's only like a, a two-day thing. And um, I know on the 25th, it's at Penn Cinema. So if you're, and this movie is about the Free Burma Rangers. So if you're interested in that and you want to go see it, that's what it is about. Um, and um, also, I wanted to talk to you a little bit before we take the offering for uh, the missions that we support around the world and give you a little bit of an update on a few places. So if you need an envelope for that, you can go ahead and raise your hand if I have any ushers. Ushers, are you here? Okay, I'll be back shortly. Um, and um, so I was talking with, and um, they were saying that they've been, um, uh, they've been received permission a couple of weeks ago to go in and work with an orphanage there. And so they'd gone and they did all kinds of, of work there, were able to pray with all the kids and give, bless them with all kinds of supplies and things. And so uh, now at the end of this week, they're going, they're expecting to receive permission again to go back and, and minister there again. And so um, they are really excited about that. They, they was just telling me, he said, it just feels like there is so much momentum happening right now. They have uh, nine new applicants that have asked to come join them in their work there. Um, seven of them are, have, have been approved. So they have people coming and joining the effort and they are um, doing some great things in camp right now. They go out and... Uh, bring a bunch of people together, to, and, in, and then they have a Bible study first, and then they have the, so they're just having really great results with that. They've just received permission to work in where they haven't been before, and so they are starting that new work in there as well. So they have a lot of, of things going on. Um, I wanted to uh, talk about, well, some of you took the little booklets when they were here a couple years ago and have been supporting them, and he told me, he said, please tell those people that it, how special that is to us and how important that is to us and that we appreciate that so much. And so I said, absolutely, I will do that. Um, they have had last week several new families come. They had, in particular, spent special time in prayer for just that, that new families would come. And so this last several new families came and, and came back today. So they're really excited about that. They've had some new youth come in and and that have made decisions for the Lord and are now kind of um, in, in a state of fear, confusion, not sure what to do. They haven't backslid like, no, we're not going to serve the Lord. They're just in a state of, you know, they're afraid. And so he asks that we pray for them as well. And so um, he's been doing faith seminars with some of this having great success in that. And then all the other places, you guys know where you've been sending funds and finances. Um, 
with uh, Pastor Kurt Owen and the work that he's doing and all around the world and um, having much success there. So thank you for your support and prayers. All right, do we have, have ushers again? All right, if you need an envelope, raise your hand. They'll give an envelope to you. I wanted to share some exciting news and developments with you about missions and finances. You know, in this house we have, we teach very strongly that God wants to bless you and God wants to prosper you. And it's His will that you be wealthy for the kingdom. Not for our own purposes, but for the Lord's purposes and work. And so, um, several years ago, we drove that stake in the ground and we said, all right, here's what we're going to do. Once a month, we're going to take a special offering for, for missions around the world. So wherever you are wanting to be a part of, you can just funnel that right through Church of the Word International. And then at the end of the year, we can, or once annually, it's usually in July, I believe, we look at the total number that we sent to mission work around the world and we rejoice at what we've done and we set new goals at what we want to do in the next year. Goals that we believe are, are Holy Spirit inspired. We make those goals individually and then it's just fun to collectively say, look at this. And, um, you know, just in case there's, because I sense there's some, kin- wait a minute, I've got to say something else. Somebody here, the Lord has been telling you to get, a, uh, to get your passport and you've not been doing it. Maybe you've just been slow at doing it. Uh, get on that because you're going to need that, whoever you are. Um, and so, and now I forget what I was saying. <laughs> We've been doing that. Now I'm getting confused now. Everyone's telling me a different place where I was at. So what we've been doing is um, every month, once a year, then we look at the... Oh, that's, that's where I was. Someone has the question about, well, is that good to look at what we gave? Because aren't we supposed to give in secret? That's what I was sensing and needed to address. So alms are what you do for the poor. And that is what we are told to do in secret. Okay? Um, but to missions and to the work of the kingdom and to spreading the gospel, that's not something that's supposed to be done in secret. In fact, Paul wrote several chapters in a letter to the church about it. He was very open about it. And said, come on, collect it and have it ready to present to the guys when they show up. Because I've been bragging about this offering. Don't let me down, he says. And so um, offerings in that way, and even the tithe. When you look at the tithe, they were supposed to come into the temple and lift it up in front of all the people and declare to the Lord that this is, you know, none of that was in secret. So the only thing that is in secret that Jesus said to do in secret was the alms, okay? So that is something that we do, do, don't advertise really as far as uh, so-and-so did this or that. But with missions, we're much more open about it and encourage each other with it. And so it has been an encouragement to us as we look at, wow, we did this much in this nation and this much here and, and uh, watch what the Lord is doing around the earth. And we listened to that sermon. It's still online. We've listened to it several times, watched it uh, on the screen here. 
by the pastor about church growth and how they experience supernatural church growth by giving to missions. And that if we make his work our work, then growth and expansion happens here as well. And so uh, with, with obedience comes blessing. Over the last uh, number of months, we've received several large contributions to the church, um, just to the church in general. And uh, we have been able to, because of those large contributions that the Lord brought here, we, we've been able to set aside for a future building. And um, so that's all something that has happened, what, in the last six months? And that's something that we didn't have before we drove that stake in the ground and said, we're going to do this in missions, Amen. right? So when are we going to get another building or own our own place? Um, I don't know, but we're going to prepare. We expect that as we grow, we're going to need a place. And uh, the Lord is blessing us for what we are doing around the world. So I'm going to ask you, don't back off on it, right? The Lord's pleased with it and has blessed it. And so we are going to continue to focus at expanding the kingdom. We're not focusing on building growth. The Lord's taking care of that end of it. And um, without us even planning on it, all that came in. And so we are, um, we are setting aside money monthly into that to, to grow that as we uh, expect sometime in the future to need that for a down payment or cash a place off. And um, all that being said, we look to the Lord as our source and we're about kingdom business. Not building growth. That's just the blessing. Right? Are you clear on that? Yeah. Everybody. Okay. I don't want to get the focus on the wrong thing. All right, take a hold of your offering, your investment in the, in, in the kingdom of God. Let's pray over it. Father, I thank you that you are a keeper of your word and that you look and you watch and you're waiting for someone to act upon your word. So Father, we act upon your word today and we say, be it unto us in our bank accounts just like you said. That we're the head and not the tail. That we're blessed. That we're overcomers. And that every need is met in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for it. Father, I thank you that you bless these missions. The places where we've been ministering to and that we're connected to around the world. Lord, that you meet every one of their needs. That you bring people in. Those new people that are coming in. Father, that you just... Give them light and revelation and those young people that you strengthen them and cause them to, to see the importance of being with other believers. I thank you for this. Thank you for favor on day and protection upon them. Thank you that you keep all of these and, and you keep the work that Pastor Kurt Owen is doing, that it will prosper and grow and it'll hit the mark that your signs and wonders accompany all these different places that we sow into as they preach the gospel i thank you for it in jesus name and amen, amen. well the ushers will wait on the people and the people will give to the lord i do want to um Give you a heads up, be looking for new information and new sign-up sheet for our home groups as we have finished up our one series and are getting ready to launch out into another one. 
And so it'll give you an opportunity to sign up, go to a different home group, or uh, stay in the same one that you've grown to love and know, or join one if you haven't been in one. And so be watching for that out in the lobby. You'll see that in the next, probably next Sunday.